Welcome everybody to the Tag Your It podcast. I am Ray Ray, and before we hit the episode, I wanted to remind you guys about the Abolish Abortion Missouri rally that is put together by Abolish Abortion Missouri. Um, it is going to be at the state capitol because it's a rally at the state capitol right? at uh, 201 West Capitol Avenue, Jefferson City, Missouri, February 9th, 2022 from 1 to 3 p.m. And you can go get a little bit more information and sign up for emails and all that kind of stuff if you go to www.abolishabortionmo.com. Com. We will um, have some speakers. We will sing songs. We will pray. We will call our magistrate to repent with us and uh, abolish abortion immediately without exception or compromise. That's what we're calling for, not incremental steps. We are done and we must repent from those and call for the immediate end of, uh, of abortion here in the state of Missouri. Please um, come out to the state capitol on February 9th, 2022 from 1 to 3 p.m. and let's call for the immediate end of abortion in the state of Missouri and pray for our civil magistrate to repent and pass this legislation. With that said, Soli Deo Gloria. All hail the power of Jesus, name let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal The hidden things belong to the Lord, our God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever so that we may follow all the words of this law. This is the Tag Your It podcast. I am Ray Ray. And I am Dave. And I'm Hannah. And we have a special, uh, another episode of the Tag Your It. So we like apologists. We like our Missouri Baptist apologists. And here's a new one. And we had talked um, with Hannah uh, back at the Missouri Baptist annual meeting this past October that we were at. This is where we got to physically meet her. And so now um, in our new Zoom way of doing things, we have her in the Zoom chat today. So we wanted to introduce you to Hannah Sims and uh, just uh, let her just introduce herself, uh, what she does, uh, how excited she is to be a part of the network and how she can serve the Missouri churches and, uh, you know, just the main focus of our ministry. So Hannah, thank you so much for your time and your work and you're coming on this, uh, podcast tonight. Uh, welcome to the tag your podcast. Well, thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Well, Hannah, tell us just a little bit about who you are and about what you do in ministry, your role on the network and maybe your role in the church. Yeah. So, um, I was adopted from China when I was a baby and, uh, I grew up here in Kansas city and, um, I'm a graduate of Calvary university with a bachelor's degree in ministry studies, focusing on children. And the ministry focus that I have is providing members of the body of Christ with a network of teaching, equipping and connecting resources that will assist them in their biblical ministry to the next generation. In my church, I serve as an Awana leader and I'm also on the missions committee. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you are heavily uh, focused with children and that's, uh, you know, that's what we're talking about tonight. Um, apologetics 
and uh, children. That's why I definitely picked out that uh, scripture that instructs us that, you know, God's word is for us and our children. And that's the way it's supposed to be. We're to teach and lead our families in this. And, you know, whenever you uh, came up to me um, at the meeting, you know, you're talking about these things. You're like, you know, there's, there's some stuff out there going like, don't teach children. And I'm sitting here going like, what, (laughs) you know, and, and where is this coming from? And so I'm glad that we have finally gotten together. um, And definitely, uh, since I was taken aback by that, let's, you know, talk about these sort of things. But, uh, you know, before we get to the the heart, like I want people to know you. Um, so, you know, what kind of projects uh, are you working on right now and what are you excited about? Yeah, I've got a lot of different projects going on. One of the ones that I just started this year was I started writing monthly articles on apologetics and theology for a ministry called 412teens.org. It's a ministry of gotquestions.org. And this one for teens is one that answers teen questions about the Bible or God, religion, culture. And uh, the article that I I published um, in January was, um, can God make a rock so heavy that he can't lift it? And some other ones that um, I'm working on are like true for me, but not true for you. Or um, can atheists be good without God? So questions that teens ask. And then I'm also working on an apologetics curriculum for kids with another ministry. And I've been working on this for a few years and hopefully we're gonna get that published here uh, coming this year. But some of the questions that we ask there is like, does truth exist? Is God real? Is the Bible trustworthy? And so these will be activities that children will be able to participate in, to learn these truths and to learn the facts and evidence to answer these questions, to help them have confidence that God's word is based on reality. Well, Hannah, one thing that I noticed definitely about you when I first saw your uh, picture and your bio on the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network page was how immersed you are in children. And it's a very unique, uh, you don't see a lot of apologists who have said, hey, I am going to make sure that my resources and that the things that I have, the giftings that I have are leveraged to engage children. That's such a unique calling. And that causes me to just reflect a little bit in my mind on how you got involved in apologetics to begin with. I mean, what was this calling specifically to children in relation to Christian ministry and apologetics? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just for like my personal journey, the reason I got involved in apologetics is, um, as I mentioned, I'm adopted from China. And when I was adopted, there were nine other girls that were also adopted from the same orphanage. And we all grew up in different families all across the United States, but we always got together each year to just, you know, catch up and things like that. And as we got older, like in high school and college, we'd talk about things like God and the Bible, Christianity, how those topics related to things in culture, like abortion, morality, that sort of thing. And since we're all raised in different families, we all have a different worldview. And so I learned that's when I was really challenged to know for myself why Christianity was true and then to be able to effectively share that truth with other people. So that was kind of like my personal challenge. And then as I worked with kids, I've really worked with kids ever since um, I was 12, 13 years old. And I've worked with kids in church and um, in the community and kids that have gone to church their whole life, kids that haven't. And I really, I realized that these kids, you know, elementary age, we're asking the same questions that my friends in college and that adults ask about God and religion and the Bible. And I saw that as I worked with these kids, especially like in my church, 
where if you didn't answer their questions as a kid, when they moved into the youth group, and then, you know, even if they got a little bit older, if you didn't answer their questions, they started to drift, they started to be uninterested, or maybe had a hardness of heart. And so I saw the need of answering these questions early, because they were eager, they wanted to know, they wanted to know the truth. And so meeting that need early would help them later on in their life as well. Well, that's, that's outstanding. Awesome. Yeah, 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 I appreciate that. That's very cool. And, and so we want to kind of connect some of those dots uh, to our audience here when it comes to you and your ability to come and speak. So do you just meet with, if someone were to call you and say, hey, we'd love for you to come and speak at our church, would you be willing to meet with adults and training them? Do you meet with just children? Tell me kind of how you how that plays out. Yeah, it's really whatever your need is. Um, if you're wanting to do like, you know, more something for adults, like how to talk with your kids about apologetics or answer their questions, I can definitely do that. Um, I also do trainings for teens. So if you're looking more to like equip teens to know why their faith is true and why Christianity is true, I can do that. Um, if you're looking to do more like kids, like sometimes churches, they'll have, you know, like a program for the adults. So then they're looking for something for their kids. That's not just, you know, having fun, but actually teaching them, you know, core Bible material. So I've done um, apologetics, just like a one-time thing for them and learning um, an important truth, like how we know God is real or something like that. Or, you know, I could do it family style where everyone's learning together. So it's really whatever the need is. Um, I've got different lessons and different things to help all audiences, whether it's kids, teens, or adults, to know why Christianity is true and then to be able to share that with others. Yeah, that's a, I, I love uh, your heart there because like your first uh, thing that you said was, you know, equipping parents, you know, because I know there's a lot of parents like, where do I start? Where do I go? Like, I want to talk to my kids, but um, how much are they really getting? Uh, are they going to get it? How do I approach that? Um, you know, and I, I love Calvin whenever he talks about how God lisps to us. And so like, we can think that we are like these adults and we've been to school and, you know, we've been to college maybe and all those kind of things. But, you know, we, when I, the humbling experience is that, you know, God has to lisp to us and he has to treat us as, you know, these, uh, these infantile creatures to teach us. And so that's in a way we get to, as parents reflect God to our kids by, you know, coming down to them and, and meeting them on their level and still giving them the rich truth and everything. So that, you know, the first thing that you're talking about is, you know, being invited to go by, by people going like, how do we speak to our kids? Um, what do they need to know? How do I answer a question that, because the kids can ask like big questions that they don't realize how big of a question it is. And then parents are cut off guard. So I'm glad that you are available and willing to come and go like, here, here's how you can speak to your kids about these sort of really big questions. Like, cause that, that question about, you know, can God make a rock bigger than he can lift? I mean, that, that's, that could send a parent just, uh, if I can't answer that question, my kid's going to totally like think that I am nothing now <laughs> after thinking that I've been everything to them, you know? And it's, so there, there's a lot more of emotion things going on. So I'm glad that's the first thing out of your mouth. And, but then there's also this, the idea of bringing you on to uh, do a one night or something like that and deal with kids and get to know kids and, and uh, just again, be a part of the body of Christ in the, in that way. So, um, you know, with that being said, you know, whenever we think about apologetics, you know, I, I think uh, 
our listeners would agree that they don't often often think about how does that correlate to children. And if they do, they're kind of like, how do we even do it? Or should we even do it? I mean, you can have the pejorative Baptist thing of, oh, Baptists don't care about their kids anyway. They don't baptize them, right? <laughs> so you, you got that. Um, but how does apologetics correlate with children? Like, what have you been able to teach on that? To answer this question, I like telling a story about a town that was built on top of a cliff and uh, down below there was a sea and the children in the town, they were, you know, educated by their parents and their teachers not to go near the edge of the cliff. Their parents and teachers would tell them what the dangers were of going too close to the cliff. And, you know, at first they believed them, they followed them, they did what they said. But then as they got older, things began to change. And although the reasons varied, the result would always be the same. The kids would go near the edge of the cliff, fall off into the water below. They would either be swept out by the current or their lifeless body would be washed up on the bank somewhere because they had drowned. Now, once in a while, there would be a survivor, but that child would never be the same. Well, one day the adults in the community said, you know, enough is enough. We've got to do something to save our children. So they gathered together and they talked, you know, how can we save our children from falling off this cliff? So one person proposed, oh, well, why don't we build a boat dock and a clinic at the bottom of the cliff so that when a child falls off, we're able to rush down there, get in the boat, rescue them out, take them to the clinic, and then hopefully they'll be okay. Well, one person came forward and this man, he kind of walked with a limp and came to the front of the group and he said, I propose that we build a wall at the top of the cliff to keep kids from falling off in the first place. Because I was one of those kids that fell off the cliff. I fortunately survived, but many of my friends didn't. And a wall at the top would have protected me from falling off in the first place. So as we think about which one of these is most effective, we realize that the most effective solution is one that keeps kids from falling off in the first place versus patching them off when they fall off because we realize that most won't survive and the ones that do will never be the same. And this story, of course, is not just about a small town, but it's really about the faith of our kids. Because when our kids are young, they eagerly and easily believe what you're telling them about God, just like the kids in the story believe what their parents and teachers were telling them about the edge of the cliff. But as they get older, kids are lured to the edge of the cliff of faith to jump off. And there's lots of reasons why. It might just be curiosity. It could be doubt. Maybe it's rebellion or pressure from those around them. But whatever the reason is, if there's not someone or something there to keep them from falling off, they're going to fall off because they're questioning whether or not what they learned is really true. And I know as we study statistics that that's something true of my generation, of the millennials, that 61% of them that grew up in the church were spiritually disengaged by the time they left college, which means like they no longer went to church, they no longer prayed or read their Bible. My generation is what is called generation of don't, like don't believe, don't know, and don't care if God exists. And so the question is, well, did the millennials fall off when they went to college. But the answer is actually surprising because when people were interviewed, these millennials were interviewed and asked them, like, was it college that just, you know, radically changed your life? They actually, 40% of them said they had their first doubts in middle and even some as young as 10 years old, so middle school and upper elementary school. So this tells us that while our kids and our teens are still physically on our church buildings, they're going to Awanas or Sunday school or church events, youth group, that they're mentally and spiritually already beginning their descent off the cliff. 
you could say that the ticket for jumping off the cliff was used at college, but it was actually bought much earlier in life. College was just the first place to use it. And that's not just true of my generation, but also the current generation of kids, which is called Generation Z. So among Generation Z, they categorize them as the religious nuns. Now, not like Catholic nuns, but nuns that teens do not want to identify with any particular religion. And when we think about statistics, those statistics are alarming. What's much more sobering is when you actually know a young person that this is true of. And so that's why apologetics and answering kids' questions is so important and important to start early because we wanna give kids the confidence that Christianity is true. So they won't jump off the cliff of faith and be swept away in the culture of confusion. So apologetics for kids really helps them to build that wall of faith in their life so that they can live confidently into adulthood and then share their faith with others. Oh man, amen. You know, as you're speaking, Hannah, one of the things that I flashed back to in my mind was a memory I had from when I was in Boy Scouts. Now I was very fortunate. My dad is a pastor. My mom is uh, very involved in the church that I grew up in. And I was also in Boy Scouts. And as a Cub Scout, we were reading for one of the uh, geology uh I believe it was a merit badge of some type. And my mom was reading me some of the content. It was talking about how the earth was millions of years old and these kind of concepts. And uh, while she's reading it, she stopped and she just said, you know, I don't believe that. I believe God spoke it and he made everything right. And I remember at that point, I was probably about 10 years old. I had a lot of questions. I didn't ask them. And I remember, I mean, it obviously marked my mind, but God bless my mom. She hadn't really spent a lot of time diving into how to defend against this old earth, not even old earth creationism, but this old earth Darwinianism through micro uh, evolution. And so at that point, there was this little bit of a doubt. Is my mom really telling me the truth? Because my Boy Scout book is saying all these things and my science class at school teaches me all these things. And that brings me to this concept of, I mean, what are some of those apologetic questions that children have and how can parents better be prepared to engage their children in these discussions? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the the science one is definitely a key one that really uh, makes kids wonder and doubt their faith. That's something that uh, statistics have shown and also just conversation with kids um, have also shown. I know also another one um, that's kind of related to what's going on in the culture is who Jesus is. Um, You know, a lot of kids, they hear about like demagogues, Um, You know, I know like in the Disney movie, uh, Moana, like there's a character there that's like a demagogue. And then a little bit farther back, there was a a series called Percy Jackson that was very popular. And a demagogue is just someone that's like a half God, half man person. So like, um, like in Percy Jackson, for example, like perhaps his his father was like a Greek God. And then like his mother was like an earthly human. And then they had a physical relationship. And then here's the demagogue. And so when you're telling kids about Jesus, And you're saying like, oh, God is, you know, his father is God, but he, you know, had an earthly mother. That's the connection that the kids are making. And so they're asking like, who is Jesus? Is he half God, half man? Is he some like super being, you know, like Superman or something like that? And so um, that's a question that I've gotten a lot. And I've just really had to go back to like basic theology of who God is and who Jesus is. 
And, you know, you don't have to get into like deep theological courses, but just stating like Jesus is God. So he's been here forever. When he came to earth, it wasn't that that's the point he was created. He'd already, you know, he'd already been in existence. But in order to be 100% man, he had to enter the world as all humans do. So he had to be born. But remember, he's 100% God, so he's always been here. So Jesus isn't 50-50, which is what a demagogue is. He's 100% God and 100% man. And the way that he came to earth wasn't actually a physical act between like a God and a human, but it was through the Holy Spirit and then showing scripture to back that up. And then when you're talking about Jesus's miracles and what he did, you know, it's not that he had like superhero power, but that he was able to perform miracles because he was God. So just talking about like basic things like that is, is good to talk with kids. And then I'd say that the most popular question that I get with kids is who made God? Because you always talk about, you know, like creation and God is the creator. And like it just naturally follows, well, who made God? And one of the answers that I like to give to kids is I like to give an example of a race. And I like to say, let's say that you're running a race and you get first place. If I asked you who placed before you, what is the answer? It's nobody. And that's because you're in first place. It's kind of silly to ask the question, who placed before you? Because that's what it means to be in first place. And that's the same thing when we think about God. God is in first place. He is eternal. He's always been here. He's the highest authority. He's all wise, all powerful. He's in first place. There is no one before him that could have made him because he's the best. And so that's the same thing. So just like we would say, there's nobody before you if you placed in first place. So nobody made God because he is in first place. So those are just some simple answers I like to give kids when they ask these questions. And, you know, a lot of times that's what it is. It's just giving simple doctrinal answers to the questions kids ask, but to show them that there is an answer and we can go back to the truth of the Bible to answer these questions. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. Cause like, you know, you're given eventually because we're all rebellious, you know, like we're, we're talking about kids and they're going to ask these kind of questions and, you know, it might be all right at the very beginning, um, you know, these kind of answers, but then they're going to demand more. And then that whole like rebellious nature of like, what's sufficient, what's not sufficient, you know? Um, but we, I, you know, I'd say that, you know, like, what would you tell us like a parent like that, you know, they'd be like, all these, these kind of ideas, you know, they're, they're good for the young minds. Um, but you know, is that going to be sufficient enough to quell them until they're dead, <laughs> you know, uh, because they're going to end up asking more questions. Um, so how would you deal with, say, somebody that would be like, well, OK, I get the race idea, but is there anything more? Um, and how would you kind of provide hope to parents that would be like whenever their kids because they're going to keep on growing, they're going to ask more questions. <laughs> um, what kind of hope would you give uh, to parents out of like answering them kind of with these simple little things? Um, is there any hope for later on after the simple things don't answer anymore? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that that um, rests on the parent to continue to dig deeper. If this is something that is really bothering a child or a teenager, you know, and they're really wrestling with that, you know, stick with them, um, search it out with them, show that you're willing to put in the work to answer their question. And, you know, sometimes you have to ask more questions in order to really understand the question that they have. And, you know, um, kind of like what, what Dave shared, he, he 
may, he had questions in his mind, but maybe he couldn't articulate them. And I think that's the way kids are too, that, you know, maybe they say a question, but then there's like one in the back of their mind that they're really wondering about, you know, so as you work with them, things will begin to unravel and you'll go on more searches and discovery for truth. But um, like, for example, with the one about who made God, so that would be, you know, a, maybe a more simplistic answer for kids. But if you were talking to say like a teenager about who made God, I would then talk about like in apologetics, we call it like the cosmological argument. So everything that had a beginning had a cause, point one. Point two, the universe had a beginning. So therefore the universe must have had a cause. And so what do we see in the universe? We see that time, space, and matter are things that cr were created. So science shows us that. So then the question is, well, who made time, space, and matter? Well, it would have to be a being that is timeless, spaceless, and immaterial because time, space, and matter were not created yet. So whoever did the creating of time, space, and matter would have to be timeless, spaceless, and immaterial because those things didn't exist. Well, who is that timeless, spaceless, immaterial being? Well, that describes God. God is timeless. He is eternal. He is spaceless. He is without limits. He is spirit, and he is immaterial, going back to he is spirit. So what we might say is the profile of who the cause of the universe is matches God and his attributes. So then going back to who made God, well, again, nobody, because there had to be an unmoved mover or an uncaused first cause to cause everything. So again, we still get back to that God is eternal, looking at it from another perspective, looking at it from science. And that could be a deeper uh, layer that you go with, with uh, like teenagers or something like that. Uh, but still addressing those issues. So there's lots of different layers, lots of different answers, um, but that kind of relies on the parent and the teacher to be investigating those and thinking about how to answer that for all ages. Yeah. yeah, And, and it's, I mean, I'm just saying like, you know, this is, you know, she's telling you to disciple your kids, you know, that's <laughs> a wonderful thing. Keep them in the word because yeah, all these things can be noticed, you know, like evidences, you know, I understand where the tag your podcast we're talking about some classical arguments, but, you know, Van Til left a little bit of room for the classical evidences. It's just within the framework of discipleship and telling them this God has revealed himself as this, and we do see it, but it can only make sense because this God has revealed himself as such. And so we're putting these, this uh, natural revelation and the special revelation together, and you're discipling your kids that way. And that's what she's basically telling you there. Disciple your kids, uh, teach your kids. And that's a wonderful thing, you know, and, um, you know, so you, you spoke it well in, a, in, in technical terms, um, but, you know, that's the thing is disciple your kids and they'll grow and uh, then their questions are going to grow and then you're going to be like, oh, no, but then you got to grow, too. And that's the way God has put his people together. So disciple your kids and uh, you're going to get discipled from the Holy Spirit and the word. <laughs> Amen. But yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, for that. So Dave, you go ahead. Yeah, no, I just really appreciate that, uh, Adam, how you put that together with disciple your kids. I think one of the things, Hannah, that I often see what happens to me pastorally is someone will say, well, my kid has these tough questions and I don't know how to answer them. 
well, then they're putting that back on the professional pastor, which is good. I mean, I love being able to engage people, but the greatest challenge for us is from scripture to disciple those children, which then kind of addresses this next component of what are some of those obstacles that you run into as someone who has dedicated their, their life and their calling to equipping parents in how to engage their children, what are some of those obstacles that you run into when it comes to you putting the burden back on parents to be the ones who are discipling and teaching their kids how to defend the faith? Yeah, I think like the biggest one kind of goes along with what we've been talking about here. And it's just that like parents feel unequipped to do that. And so maybe they realize they don't know or maybe they're just afraid of, you know, what a kid or somebody might or ask them, you know, so they just don't want to engage at all. And, you know, maybe they're afraid of uh, not knowing or giving the wrong answer. And, you know, I think just starting with like, we're not perfect. We're not all knowing. So we're not going to know everything. And that's okay. It's okay to say to your child, you know, I don't know, but I will get back with you. I will search it out. We will work together to answer this question. Um, so just starting there in humility. And then doing what you can to prepare. So, you know, there's lots of different resources out there and sometimes it can be overwhelming, but, you know, maybe just start with one step, um, you know, maybe for yourself, make sure that you are reading and studying God's word so that you have a good framework of what the Bible is saying and what the key principles are and the passages that might be common questions that kids or students might ask about. You know, start reading books, listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, you know, gathering all the information that you can so that you are ready to give an answer if your kid or teen would ask a question. And one thing that my family likes to do, we like to role play. So my mom and I might be uh, discussing a particular topic, like we're studying on our own. And then, you know, just if we're driving in the car, um, we'll do role play. So I'll pretend, you know, to be like the teenager and um, I'll ask her a question and then she'll try to answer it. And then we'll play like devil's advocate and then like talk about like, was that a good answer? How could I improve that? So that's also like a fun way to do that, um, you know, with like a family or with your spouse to be able to um, encourage and sharpen one another before maybe you would get a question from your kid or someone in your church or something like that. And just always be praying, you know, praying that the Lord would give you the words to share because we don't know what is going to be asked, but we know the Lord knows and we know that um, his words can edify our hearts and um, sanctify those that are listening. And then, you know, just being attentive to what your kids are, are hearing and what they're saying. Because I think sometimes we also think that apologetics kind of has to be like this formal teaching time where you like sit down and have a class. But really, a lot of times it's just life. You know, like maybe um, you're driving down the road and you see like a bumper sticker that says coexist. You know, that's like a perfect time to talk with your, your teens. You know, is that really true? Can all religions coexist together? Can they all be equally true? Or, you know, maybe um, you're listening to a song on the radio or maybe um, your your kids friends are talking about this latest thing on Instagram, you know, share your truth or something like that. And again, like talk with your kids like, is that true? Like, is it really share your truth? Is truth created or is truth discovered? Is there only one truth, absolute truth? Um, you know, talking about things like that or, um, you know, like, Dave, you mentioned about the evolution, you know, so if your kids are going into public school, like that's definitely something that they're going to be hearing. So with that mindset, you do the research ahead of time. And then when your kids bring that home, talk with them about it, you know, show videos, have discussions um, to address those issues that they're going through. So a lot of times just 
the live classrooms is a great way um, that issues are going to be brought up for you to discuss. So you don't have to feel like you have to have like a formal teaching time with a curriculum to know what to do. Um, God will bring those circumstances in your life, as um, Adam mentioned, just discipling your kids every day. That's that's wonderful. So, um, you know, we were talking about you. We're talking about, you know, you've you've put yourself out there um, to to help parents out, to help churches out. You know, you're part of the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network for that reason, you know, here in the in the state of Missouri for the church in that sense. Um, but, uh, you know, how else uh, would parents go about, you know, for apologetics training for their children? Yeah, there's some really um, great resources that have been published recently that I've found helpful for parents. One is called Mama Bear Apologetics. And I found that one really good, especially for women in breaking down like what are different worldviews that kids are hearing and then conversations that you can have in your family. Another one that I found good for kids specifically is called Case Makers Academy. And this one is by Jay Warner Wallace. And he has written like fictional stories that, you know, upper elementary school age kids can read about like a detective and a group of kids and they're investigating a mystery. But then they're also learning apologetics, which is really fun. And then they can watch videos and do activities and earn a certificate. So that's really fun where it doesn't require a lot of knowledge from the parents. The parents, you know, can be in engaged and, and involved in learning, but the kids kind of self-learn through that method. And, and then if the parents want to, he has his books for adults that correspond chapter by chapter with what the kids are reading. So that's a really great thing that kind of go hand in hand. And uh, then there's a, like another curriculum. It's called What We Believe, and it's by Apologia and Summit. And those are kind of like read aloud textbooks that the parents can just read to the kids. And then the kids have like activities and stuff, but it doesn't require a lot of uh, pre-knowledge to be able to do that. But you still have the opportunity to engage on the topic of discovering a worldview and talking about apologetics and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but you can also create your own lessons. And, you know, you could think about, you know, what is a, a game or an activity or a craft or something that I could do to, you know, get the conversation going and then teach my point and then relate it to their life, relate it to God's word, find a scripture to memorize. And, you know, it could be something like really elaborate, like um, for a group of kids that I'm working with, I developed an escape room that talks about the resurrection. And I posted all that, um, like all the pieces to the escape room on my website so other people can do it. But it can be something like elaborate like that, or it can be something like super simple. Like I was just thinking of an example to share today and I thought about wearing glasses. And I was thinking, you know, if you wear glasses, you could take your glasses off and tell your kids to hide something in the room. And then you open your eyes and go and try and find that object. And the kids are going to have a ball laughing at you because it's probably going to be really funny because you probably can't see it as you're trying to search around for this object. And the illustration is that just like our glasses help us to see the world around us. So a worldview is a set of lenses through which you see the world around you. And you need to have the right worldview or you need to have the right lenses if you're going to have an appropriate outlook to life. And, you know, maybe you've got some other kids in your home or in your Sunday school class that wear glasses, too. So maybe you could put like their glasses on or maybe you could like switch glasses and let them put yours on. And you could tell, you know, like it's not the right fit because it's not the right prescription. You're still not going to see right. So even though there's different like worldviews and religions, like only one helps us to see the world clearly. And that's the Bible. So that's like something like super simple, something that would be, be, you know, like maybe a 30 minute devotion, but it's still lots of fun. And so though there's some things that 
um, you could maybe sit down and think about creating your own to help address the needs um, of the kids in your family or in your small group. Yeah. Yeah, right on. I really appreciate that example. That's super, super good. And I don't wear glasses, thankfully. Um, my my vision is is good. I hope that my, in fact, I do know that my world would not make sense unless my worldview made sense. So with that said, you know, I'm curious as you a educator think about not only the parents, but likewise the churches and what they can do to better engage the questions of these young people, whether they're uh, toddlers all the way up to teens, what can churches do to better develop or create a system by which they can train their children and their youth in apologetics? Well, earlier I was talking about the illustration of a wall and how like a wall would help uh, protect children from physically falling off a cliff. And in the same way, I think that we can build a spiritual wall of faith in the lives of our kids. Now, this wall is not to like stifle kids curiosity or to keep them, you know, like a prison or something like that but it's to protect them from the dangerous consequence of believing a lie. You know, I kind of imagine parents and teachers in a sense like sitting with their back against the wall, talking to the kids about why the Bible is true, why Christianity is true. And that's kind of like the stability that they the kids can enjoy. It's like freedom because they don't live in fear of being deceived by the lies because this wall is here. And so when I think about this wall, I think about four components to it. One is the footing of truth. Second is the cornerstone of Christ. Third is the foundation of scripture. And fourth is the bricks or the evidence. So I start with the footing of truth because in our mindset, like as adults, you know, truth was kind of a, a framework of, you know, what we were taught. It was part of society. Like, of course, truth is there. Of course, truth is real. But today for today's teens and kids, that framework is demolished. Like truth is subjective, truth is meaningless, it's passed over. So when you say things to your kids, like, you know, in church or in your family, and you say like, God is real, Jesus is the savior, the Bible is true. You're saying it as a fact that you want them to believe. But what they hear is that's an opinion. That's just something that you're telling me today, but tomorrow could be different. Or when I have another something else that comes along in my life that's more favorable or to me makes more sense, then I'm going to believe that because truth is fluid. It's not absolute. It's not like you're comparing ideas and seeing which one's right and which one's wrong. It's just which one's more palatable to you right now. And so I think that that's really the key in, in working with especially teenagers and then, you know, setting the foundation when they're kids is to set the, found, the footing that truth exists and that you are telling them the truth about God and the Bible. And then next we move to the cornerstone. So scripture tells us that Christ is the cornerstone. And the way that this relates to working with kids is making sure that they actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ, meaning that they have actually personally believed in Jesus as their savior through sharing and believing the gospel. Because I wonder if a lot of kids have walked away from the faith because they never had a faith to begin with. Mm -hmm. You know, like church was just an activity that they went to, but it's not something that they personally believe. And, you know, a lot of times when we think about apologetics, we think about, you know, what it does to our mind and, and opening our mind up to the truth. But really, the heart of apologetics is the gospel. It does no good just to give arguments and kind of tickle the mind if you're not changing the heart, if you're not showing them that Jesus is the Savior and the truth of that, and then them believing in Jesus as the Savior. So that's why the cornerstone has to be Christ. 
And then once a child has believed in Jesus as their savior, then they want to build upon that. And the foundation would be the scripture because it's not what you say or their friends or the culture or their educators. That's not the authority. It's God and his word that is the authority. So when we answer kids' questions, it's, we're not just sharing evidence, but we're sharing the scripture. And then we show evidence that backs up the scripture and can help us have greater confidence. And so then we come to the bricks, which is the evidence. And that's mostly what people think about when they think about apologetics, like evidence and defending your faith. And the way I think about it is like the more evidence that you give to a child, then it's like you're building that wall up in their life. And then the harder it would be for them to like trip over the wall or climb over the wall because they have so much evidence to help remind them that the Bible is true, that God is real, that Christianity is true. So like Jay Warner Wallace, he likes to call it Christian case making because he compares it to a detective that's like looking for clues to determine what the truth is. And so our kids can be Christian case makers as they investigate Christianity to help them know that it's true. As they look at like logic and science and history and archaeology and eyewitness testimony, all these things that God has left behind to show us that his word is based on reality. It's not just a personal belief. It's not just a religious book, but it's really, truly real. You know, kids and teens, they're looking for evidence. They want to know that what you're teaching them is real and true. They want to make sense of the world around them. And that's what apologetics does. It builds up the confidence of their own faith and gives them tools to guard against those that would try and dissuade them from the truth. Amen. Right on. I love all of that. I'm just trying to think here of where to go. Cause like, yeah, she's provided everything <laughs> that, you know, on, on that, but yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing just to think about, you know, just the, the fact uh, that children, like, you know, Jesus is for children. He said, let the children come to me and not to hinder them. And so, you know, this is like just a special tender kind of uh, uh, episode when it comes to like how we talk, how we're addressing apologetics, you know, it's a, it's a much wider, you know, apologetics is much wider than a lot of people give it. Um, and it, it is for, for everybody. It is like, that's the gospel is that all, all people. And so we're even talking about children, um, you know, and so like whenever we're talking about a lot of the abortion stuff, you know, a lot of that comes up, the Holy spirit was given to a baby and that baby leaped in, in its mother's womb at the presence of the savior who was also a baby in the mother's womb. So God works in the womb, uh, you know, and so it's like, you know, God cares about children, you know, even if they're not even out walking around in the world yet. And that's just a, it's a wonderful thing. Um, you know, it's one question that's kind of keeping running in my mind that we don't have written down or whatever is I just remember our conversation and there is, you know, we're talking about worldview and, um, there's sort of that worldview that you were kind of bringing on that's talking about like not teaching kids these things. And I, 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 I know I've, uh, we kind of talked about that and I just want you to, you know, just, if you could talk about that just a little bit, like what you're hearing, um, about the education of children and, and these kind of things, like, uh, what, what did you bring to me? Um, just so we can get this out. Like, what are people thinking about? Like how, you know, like teaching people, children, apologetics, or just really anything like that? Yeah. Um, a couple of the things that we were talking about is like the way that people think about kids. And I think a lot of times people see kids as just like, uh, someone to entertain someone that, you know, they just want their kids to have a good time. Um, but they don't see them as people that can actually be discipled and know the truth. Um, and, you know, we may not um, consciously 
think that in our mind, like we wouldn't say that out loud, but that's how what is communicated in our actions. So like an example might be, um, I know of a case where there was uh, a Sunday school teacher and I heard that her priority was having fun with her Sunday school class. Um, when a substitute teacher was coming in um, to sub in the class, she told the substitute, uh, make sure that the kids have fun. If I come back and the kids didn't have fun, that's not a good thing. I've worked this whole year that the kids would have fun. You know, so her priority was not that they would learn God's word, not be discipled with truth, but so that they would have lots and lots of fun. Or like a, another example might be, you know, um, with a Sunday school hour, you have a very limited amount of time that you have to educate and disciple your kids. Well, I've, uh, you know, talked with groups where they have like uh, 15 minutes of the lesson and the rest, you know, 45 minutes is fun, like games or puppets or, you know, something like that. But it's not focused on that core teaching. So I think that that comes from the idea that, you know, this is the time to have fun with our kids. And yes, definitely we want to have fun, but we want to leave a lasting impact because when the kids grow up, if all they think about is that church was a fun experience, they think, well, I've grown past that. Church is not for me. There was nothing solid that I could digest that I could think about. Um, it's not, it's not a, the real world. When they meet the real world, they don't see that church and the Bible and what they've learned as the real world. Um, so I think that, that that's one thing. And then I know the other issue that we were talking about was relating to salvation and how some, some people, they don't realize that kids should be saved. And yeah. the person that I was talking with, um, this child, their child had expressed to me and in, in Awana that they really wanted to believe in Jesus as their savior. They came, this child came to me and asked me, how can I be a child of God? And because it was close to the end of the day, I didn't have time to really fully develop that with the child. So I told the parent that afterwards, hoping that the parent would then be able to talk with that child then at home. And the parent's response was, oh, we, we aren't going to talk about that right now. We'll, we'll talk about that, you know, when the child is older. And this was, you know, an elementary age child. So the child could definitely understand the gospel at this point. And um, that made me really sad when I heard that, because as we see in scripture, Jesus says, you know, let the little children come yes. to me or who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It is this child, but the person who comes in childlike faith. So we definitely know that scripture says that a child can believe. And so I think sometimes people don't realize the value of a child um, for who the Lord has made them in their spirit, that they can believe in Jesus as their savior, that they can be an active saint, as you know, Paul addresses the saints in the books of like Ephesians and Colossians and gives commands to children as saints. They can mm -hmm. be a saint who is growing not just in the milk, but also in the meat of God's word. And so um, they miss that opportunity. And then by the time they get teenagers and adults, you know, in, in some sense, it's too late that time, that opportunity, that window has passed. And it's because we're not uh, being attentive to that when they're much younger. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that, for, for sharing that. Cause yeah, that was like a big issue. Like again, whenever you were talking to me about that, I was like, what? <laughs> and, I, and so it needs to be broadcast out there that there are people that would say that, you know, get, don't bother. And it's just like, that's hindering, that's shutting out the kingdom. And uh, we, we're not about that. When you address that component of entertaining our children, I think that the millennial generation is a unfortunate picture of the consequences of that type of mentality for children and youth ministry. When you see such a vast majority of millennials and now Gen Z 
walking away from the faith. Much of that has to do with this, let's have pizza and a movie. If the faith is merely let's entertain these kids and then we'll give them a little bit of Jesus um, as a supplement to make them happy, there's where you get your priorities backwards. And I think much of the problem that we do today is if you ran into an adult who was 35 years old and you said, hey, did you ever go to, to church? Did you ever go to youth group? Yeah. Well, what was it about? Oh, you know, we played a lot of games and had a lot of fun, watched some movies. And every once in a while, we'd open the Bible. The fact that they didn't address real life issues and really didn't raise the children and the youth up to actually engage the culture or deal with cultural problems and do so with scripture as the authority, we're reaping the, the, the seed that we sowed as evangelicals because of that. Um, that does bring me kind of to a, a little thing. It, you know, if you go to the link that is connected with your Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network page, it talks about networkers tech uh, and your ministry with that website. So uh, we want to give you just a little opportunity to tell us a little bit about what network tech is and, and what that stands for and, and that ministry that you do there. Yeah, so um, I call my ministry Networkers Tech, and tech is spelled T-E-C, which stands for Teach, Equip, Connect. And so uh, it focuses on my primarily uh, ministry focuses is one, teaching kids and teens, two, equipping those that work with kids, and three, connecting people with children's ministry resources. So like on my website, I have a lot of different ministry resources that people can connect with, whether it's for your family or your church or your community. Um, there are different ministry suggestions, like if you're looking for parenting or song time or evangelism, if you're looking for books that your kids can read. Um, some of the things like I've created, like I've done like a nature guide where kids um, and parents can talk about the gospel as they observe nature. Um, you, I've created a game about the persecuted church. Um, I've created resources for teenagers thinking about life purpose planning and plans after graduating from high school and different things like that. So um, on my website, there's a place where you can connect with my emailer where I send out uh, when I post new resources or resources that I've created as well. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you. I will definitely try to uh, do the best I can to shop your networkerstech.com out to others. I really love that thinking after graduation component. I think that's actually a key piece that actually some of our youth ministries and children's ministries aren't doing a good job of um, pushing forward in that component. So uh, do us one other little favor here and tell us just a little bit about some of the specific um, workshops that you teach and lead and, and how churches and families can talk, can contact you to come and teach. I have a lot of different workshops uh, pertaining to apologetics. I have one called Footing Before Foundation, and that's mainly an online course for teenagers through adults. 
And it teaches them why Christianity is true and then skills to be able to share that truth with others. And I know specifically for teens, some of the feedback that I've gotten is that it's really helped them to really know why they were Christians. They've told me that they knew this stuff, but they didn't know how to articulate it. They didn't know the evidence behind their faith. And so it really strengthened them and it helped them and encouraged them. You can take it for a certificate with homework, or you can just take it for audit if you just want to do that. And then I can also do like seminars if you if you didn't want to do it online or you wanted me to come to your church, I could do a seminar um, or just like a standalone lesson um, as well. And then I also talk on other topics like for kids, one of my most popular ones is scripture memory keys. So helping kids to memorize scripture. When I was in high school, I was a four-time national qualifier to the National Bible Bee. And so in that competition, we would have to memorize like 800 plus Bible verses in like three to five months. And so by doing that, I was able to learn some really good tips and tricks for memorizing God's word. So I can do that with kids. For teenagers, a workshop that's really popular is um, called Herding Without Hurting, Effective Class Time Without the Rope. And basically, it's for teenagers to learn how to work with kids, whether they're going on a mission trip, doing BDS, or helping in children's Sunday school. And then for adults, one that they like is called Witnessing 101, learning to share the gospel with kids and doing gospel question and answer. So I have a lot of different uh, workshops that are listed on my website, and I'm also glad to create one that works with your audience or with your needs. So you can go to my website, networkerstech.com, and see a list of workshops, um, or you can also just contact me personally um, at info.networkerstech at gmail.com. Awesome, that's how man. I got Thank a hold you. of you, by the way. Oh, really? All right. <laughs> Info and not well, of course, because that's the one that she has on the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. Uh, that's page. right. Again, <laughs> go to that uh, Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network page to where you'll see a picture of her. You'll see a picture of me and a ton of other people that have been on the show. So if you're uh, looking for an apologist and you want to see them talk and get, hear their resources, you know, go back in the tag your catalog and find a bunch of them. There's still a bunch of them. That we need to get on so if we haven't had you on the show and you are a missouri baptist apologist or a network member and we haven't had you on the show like poke us say hey you're supposed to have me on <laughs> so um because we like to provide this resource so that uh, there's a great great introduction and it's really easy to grab the new ones because we definitely get the word of that but then like there's some that have slipped through the cracks and we need to be better on that but uh Hannah, thank you so much uh, for your time and man, just the, the resources um, that uh, you have and that you've provided personally. So you're not just like somebody just going like, I read all these books, here's these books, like I've done something and I've, I've had a journey, I've had to battle through this as well and, uh, you know, come to um, giving those answers um, and, and preaching the gospel to myself, right? And then in preaching the gospel to yourself, you've been enabled to then go um, and do the great commission thing, you know, proclaim the gospel, defend the gospel. Um, and so then you've been able to develop some wonderful resources that, uh, you know, people can use. Uh, again, parents, disciple your kids. We've got resources. She's got resources. If you need, if, if this hits you and you go, dang, I don't even know where to start. You have a human resource right here. You have Hannah, she, you can call her. So this is this the whole thing about the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. Um, we're here, so you just got to call us. And, you know, we're going to probably be so excited to be like, we'll be there. See ya. You know, <laughs> you know, give us the address. We'll be there as soon as possible kind of a thing. So that's what we're here for. But, yeah, I appreciate um, you being a part of the network and uh, being a colleague. Uh, you know, Dave, you're going to be a part of it. Like, it's just really weird now. 
because Dave's in Kansas. But, but I'm still like, part of the network, actually. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. I I really I still got to understand this stuff. But anyway, they, they so let they, me stay. They let me stay on the network. They better, yeah, because that because it just makes it makes it weird. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, that's that's what we're here for. So call us, and uh, again, if you're if you're a parent that uh, is having a hard time uh, understanding uh, how to teach your kids, here we go. We got human resources, and uh, another. This is how the body of uh of christ works anyway so i don't know if you have any uh last remarks dave with uh no yeah, hannah i'm so great, grateful great for your hard work and i'm very serious we are going to do the best we can to get you here at Lynn valley community church sometime in the near future yeah well thank you so much i'm really um excited to have been on the podcast with you guys and thank you for your heart if you want to reach parents and sunday school workers with this message of reaching kids you know, they say that a child's worldview is set by the time that they reach 13 years of age. You know, a lot of times we think that we have lots of time, but our time is so short to reach the kids. And so um, this, that's why this message is so important, because that's why so many kids walk away, because they, they didn't have the answers. They didn't um, understand why Christianity was true. So thank you for your heart to want to reach children and to provide truth to them um, that will equip them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Well, that's a heart provided only by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, that's a, and then uh, who doesn't want to know who their father is. And whenever you realize that you're a child and then you look at your children, you're like, dang, you know, they, they need it too. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a thing that we were responsible for and God has uh, given us uh, the commission to make disciples. And, you know, we really don't view our own, like we view out there people as the people that we disciple, but it's like, you know, God, opens the womb and he gives you little disciples to make. And that's like, a, that's a gift. That's why they're a heritage and they're little arrows. You get to shoot out into the future, um, you know, cause they're going to make up the next generation. They're going to make the next apologists and evangelists and elders. And that's the covenant succession of things. And, you know, it's, it's, we just don't think like that anymore. I didn't, and I had to repent. And so, you know, it's, it's, and it's awesome to repent. It's not a bad thing to repent. Like we get that we get to change our minds, turn around and there's no gotcha because Jesus took it. So it's wonderful things. So again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your study. Um, and if there's anything with that, uh, tag your it can serve, um, in the future, if there's something that you come out with, you know, you like you, if we haven't contacted you, you say, Hey, no, I got this. I need to get it out. And we will, um, have you on the show again about that. So whatever it is, you're, you always got a, a welcome spot here on tag your it. Well, thank you so much. I'm so blessed to have the partnership of you all and also the Missouri Baptist apologetic network. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a wonderful brother and sister thing. So anyway, um, I'll just uh, take that as the end of the show. Uh, thank you guys uh, that listen and download this on YouTube and on uh, whatever your favorite podcast app is. Hey, we're still on Spotify and we're not leaving. Even if Joe Rogan says something weird, <laughs> we'll still be on Spotify. So uh, anyway, with that said, this is the tag you're at podcast. I am Ray Ray. And I am Dave. And I'm Hannah. And Sully. Deo. Boy, oh, yeah.